Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. In this episode, we are going to take a look at some of the distinct features of the primary dentition. We're going to use all that you've learned so far about tooth morphology with the permanent dentition to make it pretty straightforward and relatively easy to learn and understand all that you need to know about the primary dentition. We're going to take a look at some of the morphology to help you distinguish between the two types of dentitions, some of the clinical considerations, and also the ways to perform an occlusal assessment on a patient that only has deciduous teeth. Let's take a look at the tooth morphology of the deciduous dentition and use everything that you already know about the permanent dentition in order to make sense of the tooth morphology of the deciduous dentition. Now, the primary and the permanent teeth differ in size, they differ in number, they differ in the time of eruption, they differ in morphology, they certainly differ in color, and they differ in root form. And we're going to take a look at each one of those aspects. Now, when we're talking about the size, the primary dentition is a lot smaller. There are only 20 primary teeth, right? And there's no premolars in the primary dentition. The permanent dentition has 32 teeth, and it has two types of premolars. The primary teeth tend to be a lot shorter and wider as far as the crown shape and they are a, a lot whiter in color. When we're comparing the primary teeth morphology to the permanent dentition teeth morphology, the crowns themselves on the primary dentition are a lot shorter and a lot wider than on the permanent dentition. There is a marked constriction located right at the CEJ of the primary teeth. And they have relatively long roots compared to the size of those short, wide crowns. Looking at the occlusal anatomy of the deciduous teeth, the anatomy is not as defined as what you'll see on the permanent teeth. And the dentin and enamel are a lot thinner. The enamel is less mineralized on the teeth of the primary dentition. When you're looking at the pulp of the deciduous dentition, the chamber is a lot larger. And when we look at the radiographs at the roots, the molar roots are very flared. And this provides guidance for the permanent dentition to come into the right place. So those flared roots kind of provide a guidepost for the crown of the permanent tooth to come into the right proper alignment. On the anteriors, they have a prominent lingual cingulum, and there are no labial depressions, mammalons, or perichomata, although I have seen some mammalons on some deciduous teeth. As a general rule, these are not evident. 
The cervical ridge is prominent, and in the anterior region, the roots bend labially in the apical third, which is different than the permanent dentition. Taking a look at the posterior primary teeth, there's a prominent mesial cervical ridge or bulge, just like what we see on the permanent dentition, but it's not as prominent, but there is that restriction right at the CEJ. The crowns themselves taper towards the occlusal surface with a narrower occlusal table. And the posterior teeth are wider mesiodistally versus occlusal cervically. The deciduous second molars are larger than the first molars, which is different than what you see in the permanent dentition. There is very shallow occlusal anatomy and very few grooves or depressions. This will really help you make the determination when you are doing a mixed dentition charting to know if you are looking at a deciduous tooth or a permanent tooth. There are very short root trunks on the posterior primary teeth, and the roots diverge considerably on these teeth. Now, it's important to keep in mind that the primary second molars resemble a permanent first molar at first glance. So you need to take a really close look at it. There are subclinical considerations when you're talking about the deciduous dentition. You want to take precautions for the primary teeth when you are doing coronal polishing because the enamel and the dentin are much thinner than what we see on the permanent teeth. The pulp cavities themselves are proportionately much larger and therefore closer to the surface and you don't want to cause any damage when you're coronal polishing. Another thing to consider is whitening. Now the Academy of General Dentistry recommends that no whitening prior to the age of 14. And this is also due to the fact that the enamel and dental are thinner than on the permanent teeth. And because those pulp cavities are proportionately larger and closer to the surface, you're more likely to cause harm when trying to do whitening while there's still a deciduous tooth in the dentition. Let's take a look together at the occlusion of the primary dentition. So the spacing of the primary teeth play a really important role in the occlusion of the permanent dentition. The spacing between the deciduous dentition teeth is necessary in order to provide an adequate amount of room for the larger permanent teeth. And although the jaws will grow over time, the growth of the maxilla and mandible may not provide enough of the width that is needed for the space and size of the permanent teeth. Crowding of the primary anterior teeth may suggest a future orthodontic problem, so there are some things that we can look at early on. Now there's a primate space that is built into the deciduous dentition. That primate space is located mesial to the maxillary canine and distal to the mandibular canine. It is a characteristic that's found in all primates. We also have another space called leeway space. And leeway spaces are the extra space that's gained from the exchange of the narrower permanent premolars for the primary molars. 
Now, the mesial distal direction of the deciduous molars is much wider than the mesial distal direction of the permanent premolars. So that leeway space provides you a little bit more room to allow for things to move into the right place. When we are doing our occlusal assessment on a young patient who doesn't have the permanent first molars erupted into the dentition yet, and we're unable to do angles classification based on the molar relation, we have three different ways of looking at it. We have a mesial or terminal step, and that is when the distal of the primary mandibular second molar is mesial to that of the primary maxillary second molar. And a majority of children have a mesial step. A flush terminal plane is a relationship where the distal surface of the primary maxillary and mandibular second molars are on the same vertical plane. They align cusp tip to cusp tip. And it is the second most common relationship that you'll see um, for occlusion in a child. A distal step is where the distal surface of the primary mandibular second molar is distal to that of the primary maxillary second molar. And when a patient presents with the distal step, they will rarely have an ideal permanent molar relationship show up. Remember, when we're looking at our young patients, we're really just doing a broad spectrum understanding of our occlusion. Is there enough space? Is there crowding? What is the relationship between the maxilla and the mandible? And how are the teeth aligning? Are things following the arch in the way that they need to? Keeping in mind that there's still a lot of development down the road, and we look for the spacing, the size of the teeth, the way the teeth come together to provide us with initial guidance on what we need to have a heightened awareness of as the child develops down the road. Just like every other aspect of being a dental hygienist, learning about the primary dentition or deciduous dentition as it compares and relates to the permanent dentition takes practice, knowledge, understanding, and clinical exposure. Be patient with yourself as you discover and learn. Thank you so much for listening today. Join me next time where we will be doing a brief review of the tooth morphology of the entire dentition, starting with the specific features of each tooth type so that you can try to have a great experience when you're doing tooth identification, either in the clinical setting when you're charting or in your classroom setting. I hope you join me. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.